If you've been to a state chamber event, you've heard us say you should contact your legislators. But what does that mean? How do you do it? And how do you make it meaningful? Today, we're sitting down with Delaware State Senator Sarah McBride and Verna Hensley, VP of Public Affairs at Easter Seals, Delaware and Maryland's Eastern Shore. And this is Advocacy 101. We're going to talk about how businesses and elected officials can better communicate and work together to build long-term working relationships because we know that collaboration means more dialogue and more solutions. Let's get into it. With me, I have Verna Hensley, VP of Public Affairs at Easter Seals. Thank you for hosting us today. And I also have Senator Sarah McBride from the 1st Senate District. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Before we dive into this topic, we have a quick word from our sponsor. The Conversations with Kelly podcast is powered by Easter Seals, Delaware, and Maryland's Eastern Shore, and they're marking a huge milestone, their 75th anniversary. Easter Seals is celebrating 75 years of creating an inclusive community, 75 years of first steps for children, independence for adults with disabilities, and support for seniors and their families. Easter Seals is celebrating 75 years of a legacy ensuring a future where everyone is 100% included and 100% empowered, and they're just getting started. Happy anniversary to Easter Seals, Delaware, and Maryland's Eastern Shore. To learn more or donate, visit de.easterseals.com. That's de.easterseals.com. All right, let's get into it. Advocacy 101. What does that mean? You represent the business community. You represent government. And those are two parties that have to work together to create good. Um, So, I want to give you both a moment to introduce yourselves and just kind of talk about your experience. Um, I know both of you have worked at the federal level and the state level. So just, Sarah, why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for for having us. Um, My journey to public office really is an advocacy journey in and of itself. Um, I was elected to the Delaware State Senate in 2020. Uh, But prior to that, spent about 10 years in advocacy for the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Started here in Delaware and then eventually, as you mentioned, uh, worked nationally at the Human Rights Campaign, which is the nation's largest LGBTQ equal rights organization. And I I did that because I myself am transgender. I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. uh, And I felt it like it was important Mm -hmm. to have people like me represented uh, in legislative hall or in the Capitol, first as an advocate, but then ultimately we need to make sure that we have diverse representation actually in the room at the end of the day as elected officials. Mm-hmm. But I started my path in in this space as someone who recognized that advocacy really is built on personal stories. It's built on relationships. And so the first time I was really in legislative hall was not as an elected official, but as an advocate myself, where I essentially camped out at Legislative Hall, more or less as a senior in college trying to fight for non-discrimination protections for the LGBTQ community. And because there was no one like me in the Delaware General Assembly at that point, I knew that the best way of creating the kind of passion, support, and pressure Mm -hmm. for legislators to act was to essentially make myself the 63rd member of the Delaware General Assembly. And to build relationships so they would have to answer to me. They'd Mm -hmm. have to think about me when the issue came up in caucus or when they were debating it on the floor. Um, Because I think in in advocacy, one of the things that we say in the LGBTQ community is that it's difficult to hate someone whose story you know. It's difficult to hate up close. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But obviously, I think even more beyond sort of the word that's a loaded term, but even beyond that, it's difficult to deprioritize an issue when it impacts someone who you know. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, now I'm on the other side of the table, um, but I think I very much try to bring that sort of advocate's perspective where all of this work is possible if we build relationships, if we have conversations with one another, if we learn from one another. Uh, And that doesn't just result in a smoother path to progress. It results in better policy. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you do a great job at that, um, which is why we invited you to be on this episode today. So thank you. Berna? I was going to say, I think we're done here. She's presenting <laughs> exactly what we needed to hear today. Um, so I have a little bit of different journey into this process. I started actually working in government mm-hmm. <clears throat> right out of college. I started working for um, in the U.S. Senate, actually, and ultimately ended up working <clears throat> for Senator Bill Roth um, for 20 plus years. Um Mostly in Cap- on Capitol Hill, but I also came back to the uh, to, to Delaware to work the latter portion of that. So I was kind of on that side of the fence, and I would see it from that perspective and see, you know, as as groups would come in, individuals would come in, you know, what was effective and what wasn't effective. <laughs> and um, I came back, um, and you know, then I had a um, child with a disability. And, you know, we say all the time it, 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 um, it really dramatically impacts your choices in your life. And so at that time, I shifted over to be on the kind of the other side, and that was as an advocate. Um, and I've been working now at Easter Seals for 18 years. Mm. And I sort of, it, it's sort of the melding of that, right? I, I recognized right away, if I want to have an impact on legislative hall, whether it's in Dover or in on Capitol Hill, I have to be able to form those relationships because as Senator McBride said, that's what's at the core. If you really want to um, make an impact, you you're gotta you gotta share your story. You gotta mm-hmm. tell your story. You have to make them you said it beautifully, like when when they're thinking of an issue, you want them to see a face. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's kind of how I came to this business. Well, thank you for sharing. And I think Jules is probably the most famous Delawarean. So (laughs) my daughter, Jules is very well known. She actually, I say it all the time. Um, she's, uh, my daughter has, um, a young, young, uh, adult with intellectual disabilities. She is a much better advocate at legislative hall than I am. I say it all the time. Jules and, and Aubrey Plaza are the two most famous Delawareans yeah. and then Joe Biden's a distant He's third. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yes. I love that. Okay. So you're both talking about st- storytelling and um, relationship building. How do you do that? It's really about um, taking it down to the basics, mm-hmm. right? And it's about um, when I when I have a new legislator that I want to approach first. I first I I usually want to approach them through a constituent mm-hmm. because they get elected to serve their district and to 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 um, provide solutions to their district, um, and they're going to listen to voices from within their district, their electorate. I uh, usually before anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm always identifying, you know. What would the issue that I might be interested in, you know, who are we serving in that district? Um, what's their situation? Are they comfortable, obviously, you know, sharing their story? 
Um, but also then just just making it very human. Mm-hmm. I mean, our stories are very impactful because they're about life, right? They're about the challenges that people with disabilities and senior citizens face all the time. Uh, so it really is about you know pulling in the people that I think are going to have a meaningful story and approaching them through the person who really cares about them most, and that's their legislator. And when you say this, is that more of an in-person touch, or how are you interacting with these people? My preference is to have them come in for a visit, mm-hmm. um, to come into our centers, to, we, we kind of say at Easter Seals, you know, if we can get you into our building, um, meeting our staff, and seeing our participants in the programs, talking to them, we got you most of the time. So um, true, actually. Um, we were here for a networking breakfast, the state chamber, and then I was running bingo the next week. <laughs> so it's true. It's true because if whether it's whether it's a legislator or a donor or a volunteer, um, if we get you in the building, you know, it really, really threads that needle of how impactful our services are on the people we serve Mm -hmm. um, and the greater community too. Um, And so the first thing I really like to do, hopefully through a constituent, is get them in for a tour. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the most amazing staff here. Um, They are so dedicated to our mission. Everything is, is really dedicated and pointed towards our mission. So I love, I love when the legislator comes in and we're touring and they get into a conversation with our staff. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can see in our staff's eyes and by what they're doing, why they're so dedicated, why they care about what they do um, and why they care about the people that we serve. Mm -hmm. And you can see by talking to the participants in the program, you can see what the staff means to them too. And that's across the board, whether it's a therapist in children's therapy or a direct support professional in our adult day services. Um, it, it's really about kind of, again, making that connection. Sarah, what about you? I mean, you hear from all kinds of constituents. How are you hearing from them? So it, every which way. And and I was elected during COVID, which obviously created a unique dynamic where for much of my first term, we were either totally remote or mm-hmm. largely remote in terms of our interactions with people. But, you know, I want to I want to kind of go back to some of the lessons that I learned when I was still an advocate. And and I think Verna, who is the, I think, most effective advocate, her angels are the most effective <laughs> advocates that we have in 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 Dover, because I think Verna is able to perfectly bring together the two legs of advocacy, which is facts and data and empathy and compassion. Mm hmm. Um, I think a lot of times when people want to advocate on whatever issue, they think I've got to make sure I have every argument. I've got to make sure that I have every piece of data, every every uh, survey, every every single nook and cranny of the policy covered. And there's room for that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's people like Verna who do this for a living mm-hmm. um, that that have that information. But when we're talking about you know, a a family Mm -hmm. with a child with a disability or a small business owner Mm -hmm. who's concerned about a particular issue. You don't have to come in armed with every single piece of of data and fact to win an argument. 
fundamentally what is most important is to come in and to share your hopes and your dreams and your vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first started advocating, I went to Dover and I went with my mom and I would go into legislators offices and we had this non-discrimination bill and I talked to them about, you know, the, the surveys about the impact on mental health that discrimination can result in or the data around housing insecurity and homelessness that was a result of discrimination or Mm -hmm. family rejection, the list goes on. And it was important information, but I could tell I wasn't really breaking through. Mm. And I was sitting next to my mom who was talking about her hopes and her dreams as a parent for me and her fears Mm -hmm. about me returning from college to a state where I was still able to be kicked out of a restaurant or denied housing or fired from a job simply because of my gender identity. And as unlikely as that would be, mm-hmm. the fact that it was still possible under right. state law was a source of real stress for our family and fear for our family. And I could see her instantly connecting with the legislators. And what it made me realize is that vulnerability is power in advocacy, sharing mm-hmm. not just the the data, but the stories that the data illuminates. Mm-hmm. That's how you get things done. Um, and so I hear from, from constituents, yes, sending me emails, coming to legislative hall to meet, inviting me to their businesses or their facilities. I'm the chair of the health and social services committee. So I'm oftentimes going into, you know, I was just at a a clinic this weekend down in, in Sussex for, uh, oral healthcare for young people who are underserved in, in Sussex County. Mm -hmm. And it is transformative to really see up close how, policy interacts with Mm -hmm. operations or people's lives in a real tangible way. And actually we're sitting in the room where when I first announced my campaign in, it was still summer of 2019, this was the first place where I was basically lobbied in this room. The A-team, which is a a group of parents of uh, young people, young adults with disabilities that advocate for more service supports Mm -hmm. and, and, and funding from the legislature they reached out to me and invited me here. And I didn't even know that when I was planning this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so cool. this, this Very is full the circle. first room that Circles. I was lobbied in. But Very it really cool. was, um, uh, for me, informed the rest of my campaign and informed yeah. my service. And I think about those parents every single time we're discussing an issue that in any way impacts them. Yeah, I was I was actually in the in the room that night because um, we do host them uh, before COVID. We would host uh, that family group and. Um, yeah, you had some very passionate parents mm-hmm. there, and um, that's exciting to know that that was your first exposure to being lobbied or being advocate or advocating. Something you said that was interesting. Um, you mentioned you traveled to Sussex County. Um, that is not your district. Mm. Um, you know, you're you're up in Newcastle County, um, but but I bring it up because you're not only reaching out to your constituents because you're. Everything you're doing at Legislative Hall doesn't just impact your district, it impacts the whole state. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're reaching out to people outside of your footprint, mm-hmm. per se, is really important. Um, and I, I'll specifically say um, the Healthy Delaware Families Act. That was something where you you really went on a statewide tour 
listening tour mm-hmm. to hear from people about their their thoughts, their wants, their needs when it came to that piece of legislation. Can you just talk about that experience? Sure. So the Healthy Delaware Families Act was the legislation that I introduced um, first to Senate Bill 1 and then eventually what passed Senate Substitute 2 for Senate Bill 1, which would <laughs> which creates uh, in the state a, a up to 12-week paid family and medical leave insurance program. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a big change. It's a big, complicated bill. Uh, and to me, I knew that as an advocate, the only way to not just create the support among my colleagues, but the only way to create the support within the state writ large, or at least to quell some of the concerns mm-hmm. state statewide, was to go and meet people where they are mm-hmm. and to listen. Um, and not only, again, did that result in meaningful compromises and changes to the bill, you know, I still support the original version of the bill, but governing requires compromise and give and take. Um, and and so not only did it result in meaningful changes, but I also think at the end of the day, we're all obviously not always going to agree. Mm-hmm. But I think every Delawarean deserves to know that elected officials, even if they come to a different conclusion than than they might want, that they've had the opportunity to be heard, mm-hmm. that we're not passing something because we're ignorant to their fears and concerns, but that we've taken their fears and concerns into account. And again, we might still say, ultimately, this is the right approach. We don't think your fears will materialize, whatever it might be. But to have that respect, Mm -hmm. my career has been built on trying to make sure that everyone is treated with the dignity and respect that they deserve. And yes, that includes people who sometimes or even frequently disagree with me. Mm -hmm. And the most important way to make sure people are shown respect is to show up and to listen. Mm -hmm. And the policies that I am, that I try to pass, they don't just impact residents of the first Senate district, they impact people statewide. And so the least I can do is to show people the respect to show up and to listen and where, where appropriate, incorporate their feedback. Mm-hmm. Now, Verna, you mentioned bringing people on site. Um, that's establishing a relationship, I would say, most often. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, go ahead. There's other go ways, ahead. too, though. Um, and I, the other thing that I usually try to do and encourage other advocates to do is, you know, don't wait until you have an, an ask on an issue to develop that relationship. That was where I was going. Okay. <laughs> no, keep going. Our boy in here. Um, you know, it, um, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a special event, but if, it, you know, if you're having a ribbon cutting or if you're having uh, any sort of event, I mean, I, Senator McBride's been to two or three of our events, um, our annual dinner or volleyball event, um, and others. And so it's just also starting that conversation because that becomes a base for a relationship, mm-hmm. right? That becomes that base to kind of, if, if they're not familiar with what you do and what your mission is, that becomes a way to, to, um, to indicate that without, again, coming to them and saying, I need you to support this policy. Right. I I would say, you know, that's a, that's a big turnoff. You you know, you're hearing from people, Sarah, all the time. I want this. I don't want that. And it would be nice to first establish a relationship, maintain that relationship. So then when they do need you, you know, and understand them already. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know where maybe the emotions are coming from. Um, so what, what's a great way to maintain a relationship with an elected official? I think it's just continuing that conversation, continuing that outreach to them. Um, 
I think, um, again, through their constituents is mm-hmm. always a great way to do it. If you're, if we're doing a story, um, uh, profile on a family that we're serving, and I know that they live in a particular legislator's district, mm-hmm. then you can bet I'm going to be making sure that that legislator sees that story. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, the, gosh, the wonderful thing about Delaware is you can run into legislators everywhere, right? <laughs> I mean, you really can. Oh, yeah. You can't so, hide. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's not too difficult to mm-hmm. figure out where they're going to be <laughs> and and have that, that side conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our legislators have... Um, coffees or constituent meetings out in the community. Um, that's a really important place to have to, again, to make that, that connection, mm-hmm. maintain that connection. Um, and I mean, I, I will, I will also tell you at Easter Seals, I'm also fortunate because we have an excellent set of resources here mm-hmm. available, right? So if I'm inviting a legislator in, we have a resource and technology center that's part of our programming here has amazing resources in it. We have a case manager there. I will often ask, invite them to bring their constituent caseworker with them on a tour because then I'm hopefully making a connection to help them solve problems in their district. They're then helping me get the word out that we have this resource available to not just to people who Easter Seal serves, but to the public at large. So it's kind of thinking of those kinds of ways that I think you, you're able to, to mm-hmm. maintain those relationships. I, I, um, two things come to mind as, as I think about this, the, the, the first is just that, um, and I don't know how connected this is to the specific point, but as a society in our sort of body politic, we've gotten really bad at disagreeing agreeably Mm. and we're increasingly getting bad at agreeing uh agreeably uh and the one of the things that you see and i I see this in dover um i've seen it in dc when it's uh, you know more in the past ted kennedy for instance Mm -hmm. deeply progressive person but he built personal relationships with people across the aisle and ultimately most of the bills that we pass we actually pass in a bipartisan fashion or even unanimously. And there's so much that we agree on. And even when there's disagreement, if you can build that relationship, that, that base level of trust, you're able to, to navigate the, the rockier waters. Mm-hmm. But the only way to do that is to have a pre-existing relationship. And I think one of the ways that I think Verna does this beautifully organically, because she's just a wonderful person, but it also has a strategic benefit and something that I've seen, there's a, a, a uh, a constituent in my district who's involved in an advocacy group um, who's very mindful of reaching out when he might see something on my social media, completely unrelated to the advocacy work that he's doing and just say, hey, I'd love to see this or wow, that was cool or love that comment. Sometimes it's great for us to just hear something nice along yeah. the way about something completely unrelated because we are so often uh, facing just asks, mm-hmm. right? Every meeting comes with an ask. And to have someone who builds that relationship, that level of trust, but also that means that when I'm hearing from them, it's not just for an ask. Mm-hmm. And when there is an ask, it's, you take it a little bit more seriously right. because it demonstrates a sort of, they're not coming to you with everything all the time. And so I think people re- being willing to reach out to their legislators sometimes on issues completely unrelated to what they're working on 
or on personal things, right? Like mm-hmm. saw you just posted that your daughter had a child. Congratulations on becoming a grandfather or a grandmother. That goes a long way because mm-hmm. legislators ultimately, this, this might be some breaking news, but legislators are people. We are human beings. <laughs> and sometimes we, we need some positive reinforcement that's not totally related yeah. to a controversial issue. Mm-hmm. You both have worked on a national level and I'm curious does Delaware do a better or worse job at all of this, at you know, communicating with each other, working together? I think there are people who've been involved in Delaware politics for a long time, Delaware government for a long time, who have seen a change over the course of several decades in Delaware where we're, we are less collaborative. I think some of that is inevitable. Mm-hmm. I, I think parties are just becoming more ideologically homogeneous. Um, and so there's sort of, that's a national trend. I don't think that that's exactly Delaware. And frankly, the United States was unique in presidential democracies or frankly, in democracies in general, in terms of not having ideologically, um, not having ideologically homogeneous political parties. Um, that was unique. Mm -hmm. And so part of it's a, a byproduct of that. Part of it is a byproduct of, you know, more people with more of a stake in outcomes at the table. Uh, and sometimes that can result in vulnerabilities and passion coming forward, I think mm-hmm. rightfully. And, and so I think there has been a, a, a change in the way that conversations happen in Delaware. But as someone who went from the national stage to a national work to the state in sort of a blink of an, of an eye in, in 2020, I can tell you that while Delaware might not be as collaborative as it once was, mm-hmm. while it might not be quite as amicable as it once was, it's still infinitely more amicable and collaborative than the national level. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the fact that Delaware does not have um, the same kind of sort of television news is a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to really make sure we have more local news. But I think one of the byproducts of that is that it's resulted in a politics where politicians are less, are are playing to the cameras less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and does result in a degree of collaboration, you know, I, whether I'm working with Brian Shoup, a Republican state representative on clean water in homes or, uh, Senator Hawker, the Republican leader in the Senate on oral health care access. Um, there's so much that's happening that because, you know, our every action isn't amplified on Twitter, uh, we're actually able to get a lot of things done together and sort of break through some of the incentives mm-hmm. that exist in particularly social media and particularly nationally, break through those incentives and actually continue to work together. And I'm really grateful. I went from sort of a progressive bubble advocacy world to being in a place where I'm working with Republicans. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful that I'm having that experience because it's it's it really does show you that we have much more in common than, than, than we, than we disagree. Definitely. Uh, and to me, that sort of knowledge, mm-hmm. it's not just comforting. It's, it's motivating and empowering, empowering. for me at a time where, where things seem so broken mm-hmm. and you can go, Oh, actually, no, there's when when we take away some of those perverse incentives, when we allow ourselves to sort of be authentic as elected officials mm-hmm. and to treat each other as people, things can get done. And a lot of that comes back down to sharing those stories, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's it's really sharing the humanity. Um, and I think we are fortunate that we are, we're small. Um, and as I said, 
you, if you want to run into your legislator, you really can find a way to do it. I would even say you could run into the governor and and the lieutenant governor and just about at one point the president. Like, at one point the yeah. president. These days, yes, exactly. So um, I think that's a benefit, but mm-hmm. I, I think it does come back down to those those personal connections mm-hmm. that you make, and that starts with sharing your story. So you're an issue expert, Verna on what you do and the people you serve. Sarah, you have to deal with every topic under the sun. Um, How, you know, when a bill comes before you, you have to vote on it. Um, How how do you prepare yourself to learn about whatever that topic may be so that you can make an educated decision? Sure. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the job is the fact that I feel like I'm, I'm in school constantly. I'm just learning yeah. about things because it, it's impossible to be an expert on every issue. Um, and, and, and we have a representative democracy because we recognize that issues are complex mm-hmm. and we sort of have to have a, a group of people whom we pay to be able to dive into an issue at a deeper level and weigh oftentimes competing demands. There is no perfect public policy. Mm-hmm. There are very few public policies that have all upside and no downside. And so f- for me, oftentimes it's, I want to hear from both sides. Yeah. A lot of times a group will come to me and they'll advocate and it'll sound like the perfect proposal. And I'll say, well, what am I going to hear from the other side? And, you know, hopefully I will be able to have the opportunity to actually have that conversation with the other side to at least understand I want to look at where the policy has been implemented elsewhere and what were the experiences because mm-hmm. a lot of times we will consider legislation and everyone will say oh it's it, this this the sky will fall mm-hmm. and sometimes we can look elsewhere mm-hmm. I always say policy is neither created nor destor- destroyed it's like matter it's almost inevitably been tried somewhere else right and while there's difference in circumstances in Delaware particularly in a in a federal system where you've got a number of states You've got a number of states that have adopted a policy, and you can look and sort of even out for the differences in those states to see how the policy worked. Mm -hmm. And for for me, that's an important component of sort of breaking through, I think, sometimes almost completely contradictory observations about how a bill will will manifest and be able to figure out what's what's sort of fact from fiction, Mm -hmm. what's founded fear versus unfounded fear. Um, But those are sort of the, the, the different steps I oftentimes will go through. But ultimately, again, all of that is sort of a rational process. You're also constantly thinking about the constituent Mm -hmm. who reached out to you with X or Y problem. You're thinking about the doors that you knocked during the campaign and and after the campaign and the stories you heard at the doors. That was one of my favorite parts of being a candidate was you go, you knock on doors. And even during the pandemic, we were calling people. It was, I was always amazed at how vulnerable and open people were willing to be with me, a complete stranger at their door. Mm-hmm. And so while all of that sort of rational intellectual process is important and something I seek to engage, ultimately it's always built upon a foundation. It's always rooted in a story that I've been told or a person that I've met or people mm-hmm. that I've met in the district and, as you mentioned, around the state. Do you have anything to add, Verna? No, I just think it comes back to, again, that making – Developing those relationships, which is how we started the conversation, yeah. right? It really is about developing, building a relationship. Um, and for the legislator, you know, being open to those relationships, listening. To, um, and I think, you know, we're fortunate 
in Delaware because we have that ability to um, to really make that kind of impact. And again, you don't have to be a subject. I love what you say about um, a lot of times it's intimidating to mm-hmm. an average person to reach out. Yeah. And you you don't have to be intimidated. You really don't. You don't have to know every single fact mm-hmm. about whatever the issue is. Um, and and many times if I'm in in a in a briefing with a legislator and I don't know the answer to something, I'm happy to say I don't know the answer to that right now, but I'll get back to you mm-hmm. with that with that answer. So you shouldn't be intimidated to make that connection, to write the email, to stop them in the grocery store. Um, because again, that's all part of kind of making that, making it real for, for the legislator. So advocacy is relationship building period. (laughs) Um, I could keep going, but we're at time. So I want to give you both the moment to do our last little segment of the podcast, which we're calling convo connections And I want you each to give me a shout out to, you know, a person, a company, anyone in the state of Delaware that you think is just really amazing and and deserves some recognition. Sarah, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, (laughs) the best part about being an elected official is that you get to have a front row seat to the helpers throughout the state of Delaware. Um, But I guess a person who's who's on my mind, who I've had a chance to work with quite a bit, um, and he was actually just at a meeting that Verna and I were, were both attending, um, is Chris Otto, who's the executive director of the Delaware Nurses Association. And these are incredible caregivers who have gone through hell over the last several years. So many people have gone through so many challenges over the last few years, but in particular, nurses. Mm. Um, and he is someone who so perfectly weaves I think the balance of making sure that he's advocating for the interests of the nurses that he's representing and always centering the patient in that advocacy too. Mm. And sometimes, mm. you know, when we're dealing with, with, with advocacy, it can, it can, there can be some slight tension. Yeah. We, we never like to admit it, but there can be <laughs> some slight tension. And, um, he has, he does a great job of saying, we're going to set, here's our policy, here are our policy goals for the nursing workforce. And he, for instance, was an incredibly strong advocate for paid family medical leave, Mm -hmm. not just because it was good from his perspective for the nursing workforce, but also because of, of the public Mm -hmm. and that increasing recognition that, that this advocacy is a sort of a two way street and don't just come when it's a sort of industry specific need, but recognizing sort of there's no such thing as a single issue cause because no one lives single issue lives as my favorite poet, Audre Lorde likes to say, um, and I think he does a fantastic job of that. It's a good shout out. Fair enough. So, um, Easter Seals this year is celebrating our 75th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a very exciting year for us. Um, and you don't survive that long, um, doing the work we do without tremendous support from the community, which comes in many different forms, whether it's individual donors or foundations, um, businesses in the community, um, obviously the legislative branch too, but, um, we, um, I want to do a shout out to CAI and they have been a sponsor title sponsor of our volleyball challenge, the Easter Mm -hmm. seal CAI volleyball challenge for 20 years this year. Wow. And it's just a real testament to um, what that community support, mm-hmm. uh, the business community support means 
to organizations like Easter Seals. And we're so happy to have them as a partner. They have supported our our, um, uh, supported employment program, hiring people with disabilities in their workplace. Um, And we just want to say a a big thank you to them. That's great. So my shout out, um, we've been talking about storytelling a lot. And I want to give a shout out to the people on the other side of these cameras right now. Um, Short Order Production, they are helping us tell our members stories through this podcast. And I just want to say thanks to them. Um, Sarah, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you, which people are always wanting to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Sure. Uh, so my email is sarah.mcbride at delaware.gov. I always give that to people like, is that actually your email? That's my actual email. It's not, uh, it doesn't go to some <laughs> random uh, junk folder. Uh, so email me. My cell is also 302-598-4310. People Whoa, can, can text me or call <laughs> me. Um, uh, so you are always welcome to, to reach out or come visit me at Legislative Hall. Love it. Verna, how can people reach you? The best way to reach me is through my email at Easter Seals, which is vhensley at esdel.org. Um, I would give myself, but honestly, email really is the best way to <laughs> yeah. reach me. I'm sorry, uh, but it just is. But um, I, the other way is I work I work here at Easter Seals at Corporate Circle, Um Seriously, I wish people would come in and just visit us. We have this resource center, which is open to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, learn about the tremendous services that we have. Um, we just, we, we love to have people in the building um, and would welcome people to do that. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Kelly, a show by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. If listening has sparked ideas, responses, or questions for you, reach out to me at kbasil at dscc.com. That's K-B-A-S-I-L-E at dscc.com. Or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Visit dscc.com slash podcast for bonus content from the show. And thanks to our sponsors, Easter Seals, Christiana Mall, and US Wind. And to our production team and sponsor, Short Order Production House. Take a minute to follow and rate or review the show wherever you listen. Your support and engagement keeps these conversations going. I'm your host, Kelly Basil. We'll see you soon.